0: welcome everybody and uh, so come on saints let's uh, get ready and uh, turn to the word I feel this strongly on my heart and especially this particular time of lockdown and the way things have, have impacted so many people but just uh, one of the things that I want to state right at the beginning before we get into this teaching and I've got to get to it quickly because we need to have time to break bread together and Share of the cup, but I believe in prosperity. Absolutely. I believe God wants to bless us. I believe in God's provision. Poverty is a curse. It's not God's desire. And I am completely convinced that with redemption comes lift economically, and God wants us to be blessed. His promise to Abraham was that through him he would bless all the families of the earth. And so, money in and of itself is not a curse, it's not a snare, it's not an ungodly, unholy thing. We need money and God wants us to be prosperous for the kingdom's sake and for the gospel's sake. That's why he tells us to seek first the kingdom and all its righteousness and then all these things will be added unto us. And so I need to state that right at the beginning. But one of the things that finances and money and even provision can become a snare if we don't have it in its right order of priorities it can entrap us and it can trap our emotions. It can uh, become a vision and an end in itself. I don't want to go into it because it's too much to say. The thing that I want to talk about is in our, in our desire for, in our pursuit of, in our going for prosperity and blessing, we got to maintain a balance. And one of the things that we need to maintain in the process is a very, very important attitude. And so I want to just read a few scriptures for you, and then we're going to just fly through it from First Timothy chapter six from verses five to ten. Paul says this, talking about some of the people there, and he said, constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. Now, you know, we're seeing that with some supposed men of God and prophets and things like this, but you know that all of us, you know, we can equate our Christianity as a means of financial gain, and especially in countries where it's predominantly Christian, you know, it can be a fad even for us to be Christian, just to get an advantage and to get somewhere. But Paul said this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. I've got to repeat that. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, remember the setting is, he's talking about that some people are pushing for financial gain. Now, he's not saying don't have a goal and don't desire to be blessed. He's talking about the root there. He's talking about the attitude and the way that we get there and arrive there. He says, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich, just for getting rich sake, say, fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And that's that imbalanced, disordered, wrong priority life for the love of money. Now, it's not money. Please, I hear so many people quoting this wrong. Yes, money is the root of all evil. No, it's not. Money is amoral. It doesn't have any morality you add morality to it. He says, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So this evening, let me rush you and talk about contentment. So we're in lockdown and some people have been negatively affected. Some people haven't. And uh, once unlock starts, we're going to start to see the economies upswing. We're going to see God start to move. And I believe there's going to be a major restoration in the body of Christ and to every believer. But we need to be very careful that the lessons that we're learning and the hunger that we've gained for Jesus himself in the lockdown is not abandoned for the sake of recovering our personal economy. So we must not be malcontent. We must not be a discontent. We cannot allow ourselves to become disgruntled and dissatisfied and become grumblers. You know, we need to understand and know the character of God. I mean, the whole process of becoming prosperous and seeking the blessing of God and maintaining the balance with contentment. You know, that discontentment or malcontent, you know, there are people who are malcontents. It doesn't matter how much they have. still not content and the lord doesn't want us to be like that and it forms a major basis for incredible offense when you become a malcontent you can get offended with god you can get offended with others who looking and evidently are blessed we can also become malcontents because we are failing to recognize the blessing of God. I remember when I was a little boy, one of those old-time Pentecostal songs, and it's so beautiful, and I still I love it. And it says, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. And so failure to recognize God's blessings. When we are malcontent and discontent, we begin comparing ourselves with others instead of running our own race and running our own track with the Lord. Malcontents have um, false expectations of what prosperity is. You know I, I was doing a teaching on it once and I was reading up about it and they say, if you have a house and you've got one TV and a car, you're in the top almost five percent of the wealth, wealthy people, the, the bracket of wealth in the world. If you've got a car and a house and two TVs, you go up into the top, you know, sort of 3% of the wealth category in the world. So I think that we're fairly wealthy. So it's a matter of, you know, it's, it's all relevant. And so, Poor people living in really poor countries would look at many of us and they would classify us as extremely wealthy. Now, you know, God wants us blessed so that we can bless others and be a blessing to his kingdom. So let's not get into false expectations. And then one of the things that we really fail to do, and I'll mention it right at the end, and that is to close the circle on our budget. So it doesn't matter how much comes in, more goes out, and we fail to recognize the blessing of God. So let me just talk about what contentment isn't. Contentment isn't being indifferent to the suffering of others. Contentment is not giving into evil and injustice and tolerating wrong. Contentment is not eradicating a desire in your own heart for change and upliftment and growth and financial prosperity. It's not passivity. It's not capitulating. It's not surrender. It's not denial concerning the blessing of God. No, no. It's not the eradication and suppression, you know, and a fatalistic view going, well, oh, here I am and this is where I'll be and I guess I'll be poor all the rest of my life and neither is it petulance, you know? It's not, you know, throwing a little temper tantrum like a little spoiled child in me, and God doesn't care for me. It's not self-rejection. It's not despair. It's not panic. You know, oh, well, I guess this is my lot in life and I've just got to be satisfied with it. That is not contentment. That's dissatisfaction. So what is it? Contentment is an inner heart attitude and it's an acceptance. Listen to this. Concerning God's provision for us, it's also an acceptance of your position in life and where you are right now and what tasks that God has given you. It's amazing that when all those people came to John the Baptist, amongst them the Pharisees, and he said, Who warned you to flee the coming wrath? The soldiers came to him and said, What must we do? And John's advice to him was, He said, Don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. And he says, Be content with your pay, with your salary. And so we'll move on from here. But contentment is a settled disposition, a hard attitude regarding God's gifts as sufficient, his assignments as appropriate for your life, and accepting where you are right now at this moment in life. But this acceptance of where you are right now just needs a little bit of definition. I've got a set of encyclopedias in my office, in my library, and I quite like them. And this particular encyclopedia says this about contentment. It says, because our lot in life is related to the living God, who in his dealings with men always is propulsive. In other words, he's always propelling us. And because men energized by God are always on the move towards better things, Christian contentment, is not resting in the status quo now yeah i've got to repeat that for us i've got to say that again because that is so powerful listen to it he said contentment what is contentment in life he says because our lot in life where we are right now is related to the living god who is a living god who in his dealings with men who is always propelling us and because men energized by god are Always on the move, men and women, always on the move towards better things. Christian contentment then is not a resting in the status quo. Man, that's that's really powerful. You know, the Israelites once said it in Joshua chapter 7, verse 7. We should have just been content to stay that side of the river, you know, in Egypt. God doesn't want us to stay in bondage. He wants us to move on. I like what John Cheesby once said. They moved from the country, the land of not enough. Into the wilderness, the land of just enough. Into the promised land, the land of more than enough. But wherever you are in whatever stage, contentment. Paul says, godliness with contentment is great gain. How about that? So that is really, really, really brilliant. I like what Ecclesiastes 4.8 says about the person who's working and toiling and so on. And he's, he's just going for it. And he says, yet his eyes were not content. With his wealth. And so he just was never content. You know, true contentment rejects envy because it doesn't get into envy. James 3:16. True contentment avoids the love of money. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. It avoids discontentment and grumbling. You know, it talks about it in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 10, how the people of Israel were so discontent, but then after that, you know, they grumbled. And after grumbling, many of them perish. So we need to discover the way to contentment. So the first thing is, we've got to maintain the balance. So let's just remind ourselves, we need to be grateful with where we are, grateful with our position in life right now, grateful for and satisfied with our giftings, our talents, and our abilities. And so we need to be grateful for it. Now, here's the balance. Here's the trick. Grateful, but not satisfied. And that's the thing, and that is difficult. It's a tightrope. God, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for my house. I'm so grateful for my car. I'm so grateful for my salary at the level that it is. I am so grateful. I'm so grateful. The sun is shining. I'm grateful for the winter, etc., etc., etc. But God, I'm not satisfied. I would really love, you know, another car, but it doesn't unsettle me. It doesn't launch me into wrong priorities and wrong motives and wrong goals because I'm deeply satisfied. I'm deeply grateful, but at the same time, there is a godly dissatisfaction that keeps me propelled forward in the Lord. So it's that balance and uh, that great attitude of gratitude. You know, I've said it before. and Maybe you're tired of hearing me say, it, you know, your attitude will determine your altitude. But first this earnings 5.16 to 18, you can keep reading. It's powerful. He makes these short, pithy, powerful statements. He says, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I think there's about three or four times in the scriptures where it says, this is God's will for you. And uh, this is on one occasion. So, you know, often people ask me, Pastor John, what's God's will for me? Well, here's one of them. God's will is that you give thanks in all circumstances for this is his will for you in Christ Jesus. So that's the balance that we need to have. And then uh, secondly, please, you know, avoid whining and groaning. There's nothing, you know, groaning and complaining is a form of prayer. And God hears it as well. If you don't believe me, look at how God heard the Israelites When they grumbled and they complained and got so sick and tired of their grumbling and complaining, I hope you're not making God tired. But whining or groaning is a statement that I've made. You know, there's a difference between whining. And there's a difference between groaning. The groaning that I'm talking about is in Romans 8.23. When we talk about that groaning with the pregnant groaning with deep earnest and longing and and yearning for something greater. You know, that groaning, that expectation, that travail in the Lord, uh, according to his will, is very different from whining and moaning. And so we need to avoid that. So. The third thing that I want to mention is to maintain the balance, move from whining to groaning in travail and prayer. Rather take it to God proactively in prayer where you present your petitions and requests to God with thanksgiving. And then gain your expectations from your walk with God. You know, it's one of the things that I've learned in life. We came to this country poor, dirt broke, poor with nothing, the worst car. And even poor people looked at us and called us poor. You know, poor people drove a bit of car. we redrove when we came here into the South Africa. We had no money. We took the church by faith, no income, no salary, no money. And in my walk with God, God has blessed us. I've learned to gain my expectation from Him and my walk with Him. So, you know, I remember this guy, just one of those infectious, fervent, excited Christians. And and I hope you like that. And if you're not, become like that. David said in Psalm 51, he said, Restore unto me, Lord, the joy of thy salvation. Some translations say the joy of my salvation. You remember the days where everything about Jesus excited you. You know, I hope that you're not long in the tooth, old, fuddy-duddy, unhappy, miserable Christian. (laughs) You know, let's get our joy back. Get our excitement. But this brother was like that. And he was at work and he had an upcoming electricity bill and he had no money, no money, no money. So he kept telling the guys at work, hey, "Amen, you know, it's coming to D-Day. They're going to cut my electricity off, but God is going to provide, you know. And all the guys at work were non-believers. So they were going out, yeah, 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 you know, right. And so the next day he comes in and they're all a bit of mocking and teasing. And he goes, your God provided yet. And he said, I'm telling you, before they cut off my electricity, God will provide. I'm sure, but I've put my faith in I trust. Him. I'm a giver. God will bless me. And of course... The next day came, which was the day, I think it was the third or the fourth day. I think it went on for nearly a week. But anyway, so the day came, the teasing, the bantering went on. and Some of them were like rolling in the house. And anyway, the day came and this was the day he had to pay his electricity bill. Otherwise, they were going to cut his electricity. And so he was still so positive and so excited and so one of the guys called all the other guys to get together at to work. Now, they're all unbelievers. And they said, yes, you know, I really feel sorry for this guy because he's going to get home today and they're not going to have electricity. We're not able to cook. Why don't we just pass the hat around and we all just throw some money in? Let's just help him pay his electricity bill. And of course they did that. And then they just said, you know, we passed the hat around and we just came up with this money and he has some money go and pay your electricity bill. The guy immediately Just started going, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I knew you would never let me down. You know, he provided and he used those people. And so, you know, our walk with God must be where we get our expectations on. Just a little testimony to encourage you. And, you know, God's provision for you could be a job, could be a better job. God's provision for your car is that he blesses you with the money to buy your own car. I remember Jerry Savelle telling a story and I laughed. The tears were rolling down my face. And he said, you know, you watched all these faith preachers and they're all claiming cars and getting all these wonderful, beautiful cars, new ones. And, and so one day he prayed and he, there was a particular model car he wanted. So let's just, it wasn't a Mercedes, but let's just say, He said, God, I want a Mercedes. I want a Mercedes. And he's claiming it, naming it, framing it. And one day, an elderly brother came to him after church and said to him, brother, God told me to give him my car. And the make of the car was one that he wanted, the Mercedes. You know, so he was like, Jerry Savelle was was so excited. And anyway, after church, he couldn't wait to get out. And this old man walked outside. And there was an old scrappy pickup in South Africa. We call it a bucky which he used, and he was a painter by trade. And he said it was old. It was donkey's years old. It was an old model. And he said it was full of paint, the back of it everywhere, because he was a painter. And he said it was terrible. It was too embarrassing even to drive. And this brother proudly handed him the keys. And, of course, he was grateful, and he said, thank you. And this brother moved on, and sure, the Lord would bless him. He said, but after that day, he learned a lesson. He said, now I don't pray for my cars anymore. I buy them myself, and I pay for them. Now, and I'm not speaking down God's provision. Understand what I'm talking about, that your walk with God is so important. And the Lord has blessed me. We've got right behind me is the carport outside. and We have three beautiful cars the Lord has blessed us with. And we don't owe anything. The one I've, I owe a little bit, but I've nearly paid it off by God's grace. But we've sowed about 16 really nice cars. And it's my walk with God, you know? And so I want to encourage you he is your true contentment and we got to get this job 42 verse 5 says this i had heard of you only by the hearing of the ear but now my spiritual i see you and you know at the end of the day it's only god that can truly satisfy he is our contentment so our contentment must come from our walk with god but you will discover that he is your contentment. Psalm 16 verse 11, you will show me the path of life in your presence's fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Man is a beauty in having Jesus. That is the greatest riches and the greatest wealth but also know the character of God because Hebrews 11 6 says without faith it's impossible to please him because anyone that comes to him must number one believe that he is He is what? He is everything he says he is and can do everything he says that he can do. And that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Psalm 23 verse six, you know it. Surely only goodness, mercy, and unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life. And through the length of my days, the house of the Lord and his presence shall be my dwelling place. That's the Amplified Bible. So we're heading down now towards a close, you know, we've got to understand that God has got a good plan for you, you know, Jeremiah 29 verse 11 springs to mind, of course, what a powerful, powerful verse of scripture, right in the worst of times with impending exile, God says, I know the thoughts I have for you, I know the plans I have for you, plans for a hope, plans for a future, plans for your well-being, plans for an expected end in the King James, and that expected end is God's expected in for you man it's beautiful romans 8 32 says in the amplified but he who did not withhold or spare even his own son but gave him up for us all will he not also along with jesus freely and graciously not give us all other things and so we can have that expectation so a major one let your contentment be in him Let your progress be in him. Let your plans and your desires for prosperity come from him and walk the road of balance and with contentment. And So the fourth point that I want to bring about is avoid comparison. We're very good at comparing. Psalm 72, where David looked at the wealthy, the rich, the healthy, and he said, you know, my foot almost slipped. I almost lost my footing because I I was envious of their apparent prosperity. So no, avoid comparison. You've got your own race to run. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12. Amplified Bible. Not that we have the audacity to venture to class or even to compare ourselves with some who exalt and furnish testimonials for themselves. However, when they measure themselves with themselves and compare themselves with one another, They are without understanding and behave unwisely. You know, we've got our track. We need to run it. And, uh, you know, if another Christian is being apparently blessed and you are apparently not seeing the same blessing, don't get into envy. Don't get into striving. Don't become jealous. Don't become despondent. Don't get angry with God and start to hold up your righteousness and say, well, look, God, this is what I'm doing. And look at them and they're not as holy as me and you're blessing them. Avoid that comparison. Paul says you're behaving unwisely and without understanding. You know what I always take? And as I said, I started in this church dirt poor with no money. And people would come to church and, you know, they would tell me of new cars, new furniture, new houses, or whatever. And God is my witness every time they'd arrived at church with a new car and I was driving an old scrappy. I would go out with them. I would lay hands. I would be excited for them. I would lay hands on the vehicle. I would pray. I would bless it. I would ooh and ah and be excited for them. And then I would go away and say, well, Lord, that means my car is close. My blessing is close. Because if you do it for one you can do it for another, and so avoid comparison, avoid jealousy, avoid competition. You know, be someone who's excited for someone else's blessing. Don't go like you yeah, well It's okay, you know, because you don't have enough Christian character to rejoice with them and say, "What a beautiful car! Can we go for a drive, man? Let me pray over it that this car will be the best car you've ever driven. That'll give you no trouble. That'll it be accident free. May it be a blessing to you in Jesus' name." And I started doing that. Now I. I've given away 16 cars, nice cars. My wife and I have given away 16 nice cars to people and blessed people. But we've been blessed with lovely vehicles. And I'm convinced that a lot of it is not only the sewing, but it's the maintenance of contentment in the process, being content with what I have. And so the last point that I want to bring, oh yeah, let me just throw this in about comparison. Sometimes it's good to compare yourself with somebody who has much less than you to realize how much fortunate you are without any superiority on your side. And you'll realize how blessed you are. The last point that I want to talk about is gain wisdom for finance. One of the things that I've learned over the years and pastoring this church is that how so many people have got so little wisdom for finances and they think that their tithes and offerings is the panacea, the fix all for bad financial management. Listen, you know, after your tithes and your offerings, let's just say you've got 85% left. You need wisdom for that money. You need to have wisdom for it and to do the right things with that money and be responsible for that money. And then God will bless you. Maybe sometime I'll talk a little bit about that. And so wisdom for finance, close the circle, determine your level, close the circle and don't fritter away money. Don't be a spendthrift. And when you close the circle on your spending and have a budget, you will start to recognize when God blesses and you will recognize the money coming in. So close the circle. And then part of this I want to just talk about very quickly is good stewardship. Good stewardship. Good stewardship. Be a good steward. When I was driving that old skedonky scrappy, you know, it broke down more than what it drove. And it cost me so much money to maintain it. One day I was complaining about the car and I was just, you know, wishing for another car and I was comparing it to someone else's car in our church who gets a new car in just about every year and, and maybe three or four cars every year. And I was like, Oh dear. And the Lord said to me, you need to change your attitude towards this car because this is the best car you have. It's not only the only car you have, but this is the best car you have. And the Lord said to me, if you would treat it like you would a new car, it would mean I could trust you with a new car. Wow. You know, my whole attitude changed. I started washing it and polishing it even though it didn't deserve it. It had more dents and dings and scratches and the paint was sunburnt and old. But I started looking after it, keeping it clean. I treated it like a new car. You know, it, the same thing happened to me one day when I was looking down at my trousers and they were threadbare. And I was going like, oh God, you know, these, my trousers. I mean, I look like a poor person. And the Lord said to me, they're your best trousers. He said, look after them like you would new trousers and then you'll have a new trousers. And it wasn't long after that that a group of men got together and they said, man, our pastor can't keep driving a car like that. And they clubbed in and they paid the monthly installments and bought me a brand new car, the first brand new car I ever had in my life. And you know, when that car was three years old, they did it again and got my second brand new car. And you know, I had to change an attitude. So stewardship. You know, you might not like your house, but it's your best house. And it's the house that you've got. And so be a good steward and appreciate what God has given you. Then he can trust you with something better. But if you don't look after what you have, you can't look after better things. So good stewardship. Paul's example in closing. And then we're going to come to communion. And that is this. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said. This is the great Apostle Paul. Next to Jesus, the greatest man that ever lived. He said, and talking to the Philippian church, and he had the liberty with them to share his needs while he was in prison. And they had the liberty to minister to him. And so Paul was talking about this need, and he said, I'm not saying this because I am in need, even though he was in need. But you know, Paul had Jesus, he, he had contentment. He said, Listen to what he said, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. Now, here's a key. Here's a key. Because a lot of people are content when circumstances are good. They can learn to be content when they have enough money. But Paul says this, I know what it is to be in need. In other words, to be short, to have lack. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then that famous, famous, famous verse, Philippians 4:13, I can do all this, all things through him who gives me the strength. Maybe you've never heard that in context. And we quoted, you know, like, I can go for this job interview, I can do this difficult job. I can get through this persecution because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's true. That's true. But the context is, Paul says, I can live in want, in need, and in plenty because I've learned the secret of being content because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I want to pray for you and bless you with that word. And I want to encourage you. Listen, lockdown is going to be over. Prophetic. I want to just mention it. I want to just talk to you about it. I believe God is going to do something new, something fresh. There's going to be fresh oil poured out. I believe there's going to be Surge of revivals. We've seen it. I've experienced it. I'm hearing of it. This upswing of miracles and healing. Whole families being healed, healed supernaturally of the COVID virus, and so on and so on and so on. Seeing people being blessed supernaturally in the most adverse circumstances and situations financially. I believe that there's going to be an upswing in the world economies. I believe your country, wherever you're watching from, is going to experience an economic revival. I mean, if we read Joel chapter two, we see first there's an economic revival before there's a spirit revival because we need the money to get the revival out. And so there's going to be an upswing. God will restore your fortunes personally. The money that you've lost, the setbacks that you've experienced, the jobs that have been taken away from you, God is going to do it. But in the meantime, here we are, contentment. But even when the finance and the prosperity comes, contentment. With godliness, Paul says, is great gain. Well, I trust that you enjoyed that. The Lord bless you. Contentment, godliness with contentment is great gain. You want to make a gain? Get contentment with your godliness. Great gain. We're going to come to sharing communion together now. I
1: was just laughing the whole way as you're ministering because I've been reading Isaiah and through Hebrews, and it continually talks about waiting on God. Yeah, The blessing lies by waiting on God, but the whole of Hebrews and Isaiah, if you read it together, yeah. talks about the contentment. And it yeah. actually talks about faith. Yeah. Contentment is actually faith. It is. And then he says, Hebrews 11, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. But in Hebrews 13, it goes on to, if you just read the whole thing, that your contentment and yeah. the way that you treat things, like you said, looking after stuff and being content, that is part of your faith walk, yeah. which God trusts and then was counted to righteousness.
0: You know, there yeah. are attitudinal things that are so important. And I like what you said. Contentment is a position of faith, mm. you know, of resting and waiting between the need and the supply.
1: Yeah. And, and, it doesn't mean we're lazy. No, not exactly. at all.
0: Awesome. I love it. Awesome. Well, I Thank trust you. you all got mm. it. And uh, hey, man. Just let's just get ready, get the communion ready. We're going to break bread together. The bread representing the body of Jesus. The cup, the wine Mm -hmm. representing the blood of Jesus. All of this because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, man. You know, when I see that part about he is our contentment, man, Mm -hmm. I I was just, (laughs) you know, when are we going to get to the place when we, the only thing that really satisfies is Jesus. Wow. Awesome. Mm -hmm but I trust that you were able to join us for communion. If you're not watching now live and you're watching after the fact, you can still join us. Um, Even though it's after the fact, it's great. You can be with us. You can join us. So we just want to pray and speak blessing over you and um, trust that the Lord will just restore, bless, heal, do whatever it is that you need to do without faith. It is impossible to please God. Because those that come to him must believe that he is. He is who he says he is, and he can do what he says he can do. And that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And so, you know, um, just pray that the Lord blesses you, the Lord heals you. I just want to pray there's somebody that I'm sensing that um, it's almost like your heart has been taking strain. I think a little bit of concern and anxiety has come in. And naturally and understandably so, it seems to me that what I'm sensing is that you're um, stressing a lot about your family and family members and, and what is happening with them spiritually and financially and other things. And there's come kind of a strain on your physical heart. You're carrying them and you're carrying a deep emotion for them. And God just wants to touch you and strengthen your heart. You know, sometimes you feel like you can feel your heart is tired. You can feel that it's laboring. Sometimes your pulse is up, and sometimes it, it skips a beat, you know, it, it pumps irregularly. And so I just speak healing to your heart, your physical heart, but then also peace to your mind. Mm-hmm. And I want to just declare to you that God has got your family mm-hmm. in mind and that God has got your family in his hand. And I want to tell you that God will intervene. We have a couple watching and uh, they had a, experienced a tremendous miracle with their son. He ran away and when I prayed with them, I said, God is going to apprehend He's going to arrest your son on the road where he's running. Wherever he's God, you don't know where he is, but God knows where he is. And a little while later, that brother and, and the sister they said to me that the son was running away and he was on the road and he was hitchhiking and somewhere in the middle of South Africa and a car pulled over and stopped and, and the guy said to him, "Get in where you're going?" And started talking. And the person, the man that gave him a lift was a pastor. (laughs) Started ministering to him and led him to Jesus. And then a while after that, we baptized him in our pool. And so I want to just encourage you with your family. God knows where they're at. Trust him and rest in the Lord. Don't labor in your prayers. And I understand as a parent, you know. So I'm speaking peace to your heart in the name of the Lord Jesus and provision. Johan, would you close out to speaking blessing over everybody?
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love. Lord, that you care for us far beyond our wildest dreams. And I just speak the peace and release the love and the peace of God over every person right now. Wherever you have pain, just put your hand there as well. We just release the healing power of God and we we speak life into you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Thank you for your body. Thank you for what you've done for us on the cross, Lord. That you you give us life and life abundantly. You promised us, Lord. And you also promised us that we can lean on you. Not on our understandings, Father, but we trust you. And uh, Lord, everybody that's in this time of craziness, Lord, that the trust will be in you. We thank you for supernatural peace. Holy Spirit, arrest everyone. Yeah. Arrest their minds and their hearts to be one with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.